Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we're going to be breaking down the 2023 AT&T Byron Nelson Championship. Championship? No. Invitational? No. Challenge? No. Tournament? I don't know. But it is the 2023 AT&T Byron Nelson. That is the name of the PGA Tour stop this week at McKinney, Texas. So we're going to be breaking it down here on this episode, giving you all the information you need to know in 30 minutes or less. Don't start the timer yet. Um, So that way you can win in whatever format you're playing fantasy golf this week, whether it is DFS, whether it is outright betting, or whether it is one and done. We've got it all covered here on this podcast. And like I said, we get our previews done here in 30 minutes or less, guaranteed, just like Domino's used to do back in the mid-2000s thousands. Anyway, make sure you hit subscribe if you like the content you are hearing on this podcast. That way you'll be notified when new episodes drop. We've got a lot of content coming out in the next week or so. We are going to be previewing the Live Tulsa event that is taking place this weekend. We'll be back on the podcast tomorrow night to discuss that one. Uh, And then we've got a lot of season-long fantasy football content that is coming your way all summer long, starting with last week's episode where we ranked all of the rookies by position um, that were just drafted a few weeks ago. And then coming up, we're also going to be discussing best ball strategies as well as doing our individual team previews as well. So make sure you hit subscribe. You'll be covered for all the fantasy golf and football content that we've got coming your way. Next week is a big week for golf content. It is the PGA Championship, and we're going to be doing at least two episodes here on the podcast on that one. Big tournament means a big amount of content. So um, you will be getting a lot of PGA Championship information here on Mike's Money Picks. If you are subscribed, you'll be notified when those episodes drop. Now, before we get to all that, we do have a tournament to preview this week, which is the AT&T Byron Nelson, um, which I have learned does not have a name at the end of it. Who would have thought? Anyway, this week's tournament does not quite have the same luster as some of the ones in the past. It, the field got a little bit weaker this afternoon with the withdrawal of Jordan Spieth, who has been one of the best golfers in the state of Texas in his entire career. Should come as no surprise from a Dallas native and a Texas Longhorn. So we're kind of looking at a field where it's not as strong as what we prefer, but it is the week before major, and so it is time for us to go ahead and sharpen our games, get our games right, so that we can be prepared to win a lot of money next week for the PGA Championship. Anyway, we're going to go ahead and get started here with the preview, so you can go ahead and start that 30-minute timer, but first, let's get a quick word from our friends at Spotify. All right, so... The 2023 Byron Nelson is taking place at TPC Craig Ranch in McKinney, Texas, which is a suburb of the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Now, this course has only hosted this event in 2021 and 2022. The Byron Nelson tournament was not played in 2020 due to the COVID-19 pandemic, and previous editions from 2019 and earlier were hosted at different courses still in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. So really, the only two actionable years that you can go off of a course history were the last two editions of this tournament, 2021 and 2022. Coincidentally, Both of those editions of this tournament were won by K.H. Lee, and they were with winning scores of minus 26 and minus 25, which was the second lowest score to par in any individual stroke pay event last season by a winner. Uh, The only one that beat it was uh, Cam Smith's minus 36 at the Century Tournament Champions back in January. So basically, with scores of minus 26 and minus 25, this tournament is an absolute birdie fest. This is one of the easiest courses on the PGA Tour. There is very minimal danger off the tee. The fairways themselves are very wide. The rough is non-penal. You can kind of end up in the rough and be okay. The really only thing you need to avoid off the tee is the fairway bunkers. They can be tough to get out of. They've got high lips. They're almost a one-stroke penalty because you're not going to be able to hit to the greens from them. Um, And speaking of hitting to the greens, the greens are 
not that difficult. This is not Augusta National. This is not Riviera. This is not Quail Hollow. This is very big, very flat greens, and they are bent grass. Um, so if you're looking at putting stats, look at bent grass greens. A lot of the Texas courses um, have bent grass as well. Um, so not really kind of anything different there from what you might expect. Now, one change that was made to this course for the 2023 edition is that it was changed from a par 72 to a par 71. Uh, the One of the par fives, which was hole 12, it was the the easiest hole on the course. It was shortened to a 491 yard par four. Um, realistically speaking, I don't think that's going to change too much. They shortened it by about 40 yards from where it was, and the scoring average was already in the fours. Like KH Lee, I'm pretty sure played this hole at like minus six last year or something crazy like that. So basically, well, only thing that's going to change is instead of the winning scores being minus 26, they're going to be like minus 22 because they just shortened that too par five to a par four, right? Now, all three remaining par fives on the course are reachable in two for the entire field. Um, there's not really going to be a whole lot of layups or a whole lot of wedge shots into those par fives. Now, the par threes themselves are pretty long, though. The only difficult part of this golf course is the par threes, in my opinion. Three of the four par threes are over 200 yards, so that's really the only holes where you really have to worry about a whole lot of bogeys here on this course. Otherwise, this is the type of course where when you make par, especially on a par five, you're almost losing a stroke to the field. On par fours and par fives, you need to be playing for birdies and putting yourself in position to make birdies. So the types of golfers that we want to target this week is pretty much going to be guys that can win a putting contest. Now, granted, you can skew that putting contest in your favor, right? If you're a really good approach golfer, then you're going to put yourself closer to the pin, and therefore you're going to put yourself at a better advantage to win the putting contest and make more birdie putts. Generally speaking at this tournament, off the tee, like gaining strokes off the tee does not give you that much of an advantage because basically as long as you're in the fairway, you're going to have a very manageable iron shot into a green. So even if you drive it out like, you know, 20 yards further, you're not going to be gaining that much of an advantage just by having a lesser club in your hand on your second shot. That's the only advantage you're going to be gaining. There's nothing you can gain in terms of the angles or in terms of like avoiding danger. It's just not really the type of place where you can separate yourself off the tee. You're going to be separating yourself with your second shots into these greens and your ability to make putts after those second shots. So if you're interested in correlation or making a model this week, two stats that really stand out to me are birdie or better percentage and opportunities gained. Opportunities gained is a stat where basically is saying, did this guy give himself a makeable birdie putt? Or, you know, whether it's from the green or from the fringe, did this guy give himself a chance to make birdie uh, into that green? And that that's really what we want to have guys have this week is we want to give themselves the most opportunities possible and then hope that they just have a good putting week and that they are able to cash in on those opportunities. Now, there are a few places to look for course comps. So first off, we can kind of look at the Dallas-Fort Worth area. It's going to be similar agronomy to the Colonial Country Club, which is the host of the Charles Schwab Challenge, which will be played later this month this year's edition. Last year's edition was won by Sam Burns in a playoff over Scotty Scheffler. Jordan Spieth is a guy that plays well at that course as well. Now, you can also look at performance for other Birdie Fest events. Um, the ones that have been played this season, uh, the Mexico Open, the American Express, uh, in the fall, the Shriners Open, last summer, the Rocket Mortgage Classic. Because if guys can play well at other birdie fests, then that means that they can get hot and they can get themselves some birdies. And that's what we're looking for this week. We want to have guys who can make birdies at a very high rate. Now, also, I think that there's certain relevance in that this course has only had two editions. And so we might not have a full sample size. But what we can look at is we can look at guys who have played well here. 
and how they do at other courses. So three guys that I looked at were K.H. Lee, the two-time winner, duh, uh, and then Jordan Spieth and Scotty Scheffler. And what all three of those guys have in common, all three of them play very well at TPC Scottsdale. K.H. Lee and Jordan Spieth have both had top five finishes in the last two years, uh, and then Scotty Scheffler has won that tournament each of the last two years. So I think that TPC Scottsdale is another great comp course to look at if you are looking for how guys can perform this week at TPC Craig Ranch. All right, so that does it for the course preview. Let's take a quick breather, and then let's break down the golfer profiles. At the top of the board this week sits none other than Scotty Scheffler, the world number two, who is a massive plus 450 favorite to win this golf tournament, which is quite the number, right? Now, when you look at Scotty Scheffler, here's what you got to kind of figure out, though, is is the putter going to show up? Because pretty much this whole calendar year, he has been incredible tee to green in all aspects of his game. And if the putter shows up, he wins the golf tournament like he did at Scottsdale, like he did at the Players' Championship. If the putter does not show up, the incredible thing about Scotty Scheffler is that his floor is still so darn high. He has not been great with the putter at all in recent weeks, and he still has not finished worse than 15th in a stroke play event since last October, which is coincidental because he was actually 15th here last year. So I think that this really does set up well for Scheffler as the overwhelming favorite. If you get a good putting week, he's probably going to win. If you don't get a good putting week, he's still probably going to finish top 10. Now, what I really like about Scheffler this week is I really would rather play him in DFS formats as opposed to betting him outright to win the tournament. The amount of win equity that he has is not exactly reflected in his price tag on DraftKings or FanDuel, much like what I talked about two weeks ago with John Rahm at the Mexico Open. On DraftKings, he's only $11,900, which means that you really don't have to go all that far out of your way to get a guy who has an incredible ceiling and the best floor in all of golf right now. So I, I really would like to get Scheffler in my lineup, and I really think it's easier to get him in your lineup on FanDuel. On FanDuel, he's only $800 more salary, more than Tyrrell Hatton, who is next on the board with the withdrawal of Jordan Spieth. So I think that playing him in DFS kind Kind of the math sets up well for that. I do anticipate he's going to be very highly owned, but I really don't care. I think you're getting an absolutely elite floor that all he needs is for just a few putts to roll in, and he could have a ceiling week where he does win this golf tournament. Now, next on the board is Tyrrell Hatton, who is a quite interesting case in my opinion. He has not played at this course at this event, but he does set up really well in my opinion. He is one of the best players in the field in terms of strokes gained approach, which is what we really want to see this week because we want our guys to give themselves as much opportunities to make birdies as they possibly can, and Tyrrell is a guy that can do that. He's also coming in on pretty good recent form, coming off of a third place finish at the Wells Fargo. And in terms of the comp courses, he was sixth at Phoenix earlier this year, so I really do like that. I also like that he's a guy coming over from the European Tour, and when you look at his wins on the European Tour, he had to go low in terms of scoring for a lot of those events that he won. So he's no stranger to birdie fests, and his approach game is going to put him in position to make plenty of birdies, and I really like him. If you're looking to pivot away from Scheffler, I don't see any reason to pivot further down uh, and to go away from Tyrrell Hatton. I think he's a really solid play in DFS. I think he's a really solid bet to win this tournament. Looking further down the board, Hideki Matsuyama, in my opinion, is the riskiest player in this field. What's weird is that he's been playing pretty solid recently. He has three straight top 16 finish, but he hasn't played since the Masters due to an injury. And I think he's just a very high WD risk. Like we've seen this with Hideki throughout his career. He is very injury prone and he's very prone to just withdrawing the morning of a tournament, especially after lineups lock. And it can really screw you over if he does something like that. 
And so while it's nothing against him as a golfer or a person, I just don't really trust his health to hold up for four days. And especially the fact that it's a week before a major, I think he would rather not push himself this week and be like all good and okay for the PGA Championship next week than to try and go all out to win this week and risk his personal health in the process. So now, you know, I say that, but all those concerns could absolutely lead to low ownership in DFS formats. And, you know, sometimes we've talked about this on the podcast before. Sometimes bad plays become good plays because of low ownership. And if Hideki were to win the golf tournament, which he absolutely has the talent to do at a very low ownership level, then that would be an outstanding play in DFS. But like I said, there's just a lot of risk in doing that. You're going to have to be really comfortable in risking that money on Hideki if you do so. Now, I also think that the same applies for Aaron Wise. Uh, Aaron Wise has not played golf in longer time than Hideki has. He hasn't played since the match play event, and he was pretty bad in three straight events before he took his time off. So the only thing Aaron Wise has going for him is that the Byron Nelson is the only event he has ever won in his PGA Tour career. So he's definitely got some positive vibes, even if it wasn't at this course. He's back in the same area, same style of golf, um, you know, in the DFW area. Now, the guy that I really like in this range is Tom Kim. He's coming off of a T23 at the Wells Fargo where he really struck the ball well, just did not have a great week on or around the greens. But when you look at Tom Kim, he really loves birdie fests. He's really excelled in his short career in birdie fest. He won the Shriners Open. He was fifth at the tournament championship. He was sixth at the American Express. And he was 17th here at this course last year. And that was really before his breakout summer. That was before the current iteration of Tom Kim that we're currently seeing. So I really like how this sets up for Tom Kim. He's one of the most accurate players in the field with his irons, which means he's going to give himself plenty of close birdie opportunities that if he can just roll in enough of them, which he did at the Shriners, which he did at the Wyndham last year, year, then he's going to give himself a chance to win this golf tournament. I really like Tom Kim in all formats this week. Jason Day is also a guy I like this week. I'm willing to forgive uh, his missed cut at the Wells Fargo. He missed the cut solely because of a water ball on hole 17 on Friday, which was kind of heartbreaking. And I believe he missed it on the number where a few guys kind of birdied on their way in uh, and, you know, kind of messed him up in that regard. And he really was not far from making the cut at all. And before that, he had been playing some really good golf. He really has played well every type of course and every type of event this year. Uh, he was fifth at Phoenix, which we really like. And he historically plays well in Texas. Uh, he did win this event at a different course. So I think Jason Day is another really solid play. I think that in terms of lineup building for DFS this week, I really think that going Scheffler is obviously a great plan, right? I, I think if you don't go Scheffler, you can go Hatton. That's totally viable in my opinion. But if you don't go with either of those two guys, I think you definitely want to stack up at least two in this 9K range. And I think the Tom Kim Jason Day would definitely be a really solid build for that. Now, another guy that I got to mention is the two-time defending champ, K.H. Lee, who is coming in with better recent form than he did in either of his two victories. He's coming in off of an eighth-place finish at the Wells Fargo. I mean, what more can you say about a guy who is literally the only player to win a PGA Tour event at the course for the events being held at, right? There's not a whole lot of guys that can say that. So I definitely would have no problem going back to K.H. Lee. Um... I think that the outright betting market is a little skewed because of his two victories. I would not bet him at the current number to win the golf tournament, but I do think in DFS, he's a very solid play, and I think he's going to be a very popular play because of that course history. Adam Scott has not really been great at the comp courses, but he's coming in in good recent form. He was fifth place at Wells Fargo last week, and Adam Scott, I know it's really deceptive, 
but he's actually really been a good putter in the last two seasons on the PGA Tour. It's weird because he uses, you know, the broomstick putter where the head looks like a blue Lego. If you've ever seen it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It, it literally looks like a blue Lego at the end of his club. And it's weird, but it works. He's been a really good putter. And so why not go to a guy who's been a good putter in a birdie fest? And I kind of wouldn't mind going to Adam Scott for this reason. Siwoo Kim is also the type of guy who can get hot in a birdie fest. He is a guy who has some really spike rounds in terms of his approach numbers and his putting numbers. And if he can just string one or two of those together, then he can give you a really good chance you know, to win this golf tournament. I really like Siwoo Kim in showdown formats this week because he is the type of guy that can have those spike rounds. Now, honestly, just being honest here, the state of Texas, when, when they host golf tournaments, there's three types of golfers that seem to always do really well. Texans, Aussies, and South Koreans. And so you've seen a lot of those at the top, right? You got Scotty Scheffler, you got Adam Scott, you got Jason Day, you got K.H. Lee, you got Siwoo Kim, you got Tom Kim. Like, I'm kind of content to just build a lineup of, of guys that are, are either Texans, Koreans, or Australians, and I think that's a totally viable strategy. I don't know what it is about the state of Texas, but it does seem to bring out the best in South Koreans and Australians. Just kind of an interesting little tidbit when you look at the course history of a lot of these guys. Now, the last guy that I do want to talk about is Matt Kuchar, uh, who's coming in on pretty good recent form. He has three straight top 23 finishes and has placed 12th and 17th at this course and he's had a lot of success in his career at other tournaments in the state of Texas. I don't think he has as much winning upside as a lot of the other guys in this same range but I definitely do think he's going to give you a solid performance this week. If you're looking for a cash game DFS play or like a top 20 top 10 guy uh, in the betting market I think Matt Kuchar is a solid bet for that. All right that does it for the top of the board so let's take a quick breather and then let's talk about some value plays. So before we start talking about the value plays, I do want to talk a little bit about lineup construction in DFS and kind of how this tournament has played out. So it's easy to kind of talk about this tournament specifically because we only have two years of data to go off of, and they've been pretty correlated with what you've seen in terms of the guys who um, have had success from a DFS standpoint. So basically, when you look at the top of the leaderboard in each of the last two years of this tournament... The players at the top have almost either exclusively been above 9K on DraftKings or below 7,600 on DraftKings. There have not been a whole lot of guys uh, in like the upper eight to upper seven range that have had a whole lot of success. And, you know, it's nothing against any guy in that range. It's just how it's played out each of the last two years. And I think that's kind of just a commentary on the strength of the field of this event. I think in terms of pure ability, there's not a whole lot that separates a guy who is 8,800 at this event versus a guy who is 7,600 at this event. And so there are guys in this range that I like, but just keep in mind that it doesn't necessarily mean because one guy is priced higher than another that there's that significant of a gap when there's a field like this that's pretty weak. So there are really only a few guys in the 8K range on DraftKings that I'm interested in this week. And the first one is Taylor Montgomery. In my opinion, he's a very high upside play. Now, he is coming in off of back-to-back missed cuts, which should keep the ownership down, which I kind of like, honestly. Now, he was at his best in the fall swing of this past season. And at the start of the calendar year in 2023, when the PGA Tour was playing birdie fest type events, the guy is one of the best putters on tour and he has spike weeks putting. Uh, Like if he gives you a plus nine strokes week putting, like he might just win the golf tournament. 
His elite skill set is driving the golf ball and putting the golf ball. And so I definitely like the fact that this is a little bit of a longer course. It's a little over 7,400 yards. So I definitely do like the fact that he's going to get to take advantage of those two skill sets this week. Now, Tom Hoagie is a guy who has a much different skill set. He is great with his irons and wedges and with his putting as well. So I definitely think Tom Hoagie is another guy who can get going in a birdie fest like he did at Pebble Beach a year ago. Uh, and also he was 17th here in this tournament a week ago. So Tom Hoagie is another guy who can rack up birdies and I wouldn't mind playing this week. Now, speaking of birdies, Minwoo Lee is actually statistically one of the best birdie makers in this group. He has a super high birdie or better percentage, and he is one of the best in the field and one of the best on tour, actually, in weighted birdie or better percentage, which measures it against the course difficulty that you're playing. So Minwoo Lee's ability to make birdies is kind of unmatched, and I don't really know what to make of his lack of course history or comp course history, really lack of a lot of rounds in the United States, but I definitely like the fact that this is a guy who knows how to make birdies he's a pretty aggressive course management guy so he's going to give himself plenty of opportunities to do that and then also in the 8k range you got steven yeager sitting right there and we mentioned him on the podcast for a few weeks now he's a guy who plays well at long courses and he just keeps churning out good finishes at long courses well this one's over 7400 yards so i don't mind going back to steven yeager for that reason now, looking down to the 7K range, I am here for both of the Wu brothers, Brandon and Dylan. Brandon is coming off of a third-place finish at the Mexico Open, and he has made an appearance at this event, and he made a cut. It wasn't really a noteworthy finish, but he did make the cut, which I think is worth mentioning. Um, and then Dylan has actually made every cut since the Farmers Insurance Open back in January. He's played at all kinds of courses, all kinds of events, um, is a guy whose game seems to be pretty robust and able to adapt to different scenarios. Uh, and so I definitely would not mind playing either of the Wu brothers this week. Now, Scott Stallings has a unique title. He has the best course history of anyone in this field, not named K.H. Lee. He has been third and 27th in his two appearances here, and he also has a pretty good track record at the comp courses with good finishes at Phoenix and a T4 at Colonial last year. So I would not have a problem going with Scott Stallings at all. Sam Stevens is another guy like Steven Yeager that has just been money at long courses. He's been 15th at Puerto Rico, third at Corrales, second at the Valero, and last week he played in his first elevated event that was a long course, and he came in 47th at the Wells Fargo. So I definitely would not have a problem going back to Sam Stevens for that reason. Two other guys who have skill sets that I think fit the course well are Michael Kim and Eric Cole. They're both playing the best golf of their careers so far this season and both excel with the putter and can give you the type of week where they get hot with the putter. You saw it with Eric Cole at um, the Honda Classic. You saw it with Michael Kim at the Wells Fargo and at Pebble Beach. Um, so I definitely think both of those guys have the skill set that could give them the opportunity to get hot and give you a really good finish this week. Nate Lashley is another guy worth mentioning. He has three straight made cuts in terms of recent form, and two of those have been elevated events. He's a guy who also always seems to pop up at Birdie Fest. He won the Rocket Mortgage a few summers ago. He's played well at Pebble Beach in the past, and he was 17th here last year. He's another guy, kind of very similar skill set to a Tom Hoagie, in my opinion, um, and he just has the ability to get hot with his irons and make a lot of birdies, and I would not have a problem going with Nate Lashley for that reason. Now, two guys that are worth mentioning are two old guys that play well in the state of Texas for whatever reason, and that's Charlie Hoffman and Jimmy Walker, and they actually both have like 
kind of deceptively good recent form coming in, particularly Jimmy Walker. Jimmy Walker has been playing some of the best golf like since he won the PGA Championship and pretty much faded into obscurity after that. He's cashed in on four straight top 25 finishes, two of which have been at elevated events. So I really think Jimmy Walker's kind of a misprice on DraftKings. I'm, I'm shocked he's not further up the board. Um, but I kind of wouldn't mind going to him. As, as mediocre as his career has been since the PGA Championship win, he's gotten a little bit of juice coming in recently, and he does have a good track record in the state of Texas. So I really would not mind going with Jimmy Walker this week. I think he's one of my favorite plays near the bottom of the 7K range. So now looking down in the 6K range on DraftKings, um, got to be honest, y'all, it um, gets pretty rough down here. Like There's just not really a whole lot of... Uh, quality names down here. But one that I do think is worth mentioning is Pearson Cootie. So Pearson Cootie is a guy who um, is a Texan. He went to the University of Texas. Um, and to be quite honest with you, his name, like he just sounds like a fraternity president. Like just, it just kind of very, just very rich sounding name. Anyway, um, went to the University of Texas. So he's a Texas guy, right? And if you look at his game log, he's had some really good finishes on the Corn Ferry Tour. He's actually won on the Corn Ferry Tour uh, this calendar year. And he like the talents there y'all like he was a really good golfer at texas um and then he came on to the pga tour and had a um, 14th place finish at the arnold palmer invitational and really flashed that talent level right but since then he's kind of really been up and down he's had some good runs on the corn ferry tour but he was um quite bad at the wells fargo championship uh he came in 148th place he was close to last place it was just a really bad missed cut um but i kind of think that course was just a little bit just a little bit tough for him. Not exactly what he's accustomed to playing in college and playing on the Corn Ferry Tour. Well, this is more like a Corn Ferry Tour course where you're going to be required to make birdies if you want to win the tournament. So I think that Pearson Cootie definitely carries a lot of risk. He's not even a guy I would say I'm confident in making the cut. But he's a potential GPP winner because with his talent level, he could definitely give you a top 10 finish. Now, a fun fact about this tournament, Bryce Garnett has placed in the same exact position as Scotty Scheffler in this tournament in each of the last two editions of the Byron Nelson. So, um, you know, if you play Scotty Scheffler, you might as well play Bryce Garnett too and just get two guys that finish wherever they end up finishing it. Now, I'm kidding, but obviously it is kind of a little bit of an anomaly that Bryce Garnett has played this event the exact same way that Scotty Scheffler has, and he's sitting here in the 6K range in DraftKings. James Hunt is a name worth mentioning. He did miss the cut on the number at the Wells Fargo, but I'm willing to go back to him. He has good history at the comp courses, specifically Phoenix, and he did come in ninth here last year at this tournament. I think that's kind of like a sneaky good comp course history as well as course history. So James Hunt, I definitely think he's worth a roll of the dice. Carson Young is another guy who missed the cut on the number at the Wells Fargo, uh, but he does have some great finishes in weak field events this year and at longer courses this year. He's a guy who typically does it pretty well with approach and with the putter, um, and which are kind of the two things we want to prioritize this week. So I really do like Carson Young. I think in terms of the 6K range, he might actually be the safest play down here. Now, a guy that not a lot of people are going to know about is David Michaluzzi. Uh, I'm assuming that is how you pronounce it. He has a super interesting profile. He doesn't have a whole lot on his DraftKings game log. That's primarily because he plays on the Australasian Tour, um, which is an event that DraftKings doesn't have contests for. But he's won some events on that tour, so he does give you some winning upside. And he has played well on the DP World Tour when he has played there. His most recent three finishes on the DP World Tour are three straight top 21 finishes. So, like... I don't know. I kind of feel like in terms of his talent level, he's a little bit mispriced. Like I think he's just a better golfer than the guys down here below him. And I don't really think it matters that he hasn't played a whole lot in America because I think he's just better than some of the other guys around here.
Now, Vincent Whaley is worth a mention. He has not played since last October, but he may be worth a dart throw as he has placed T25 and T26 here at this course. And then the very last guy worth mentioning is going to be Sung Kang. You know, like I said earlier, Texans, Aussies, and Koreans. Well, he is a South Korean, um, and he is currently min-priced on DraftKings. And he won this event in 2019. That was only four years ago. And he managed to make the cut here in 2021. So I think there's definitely worse guys that you could play, especially at a minimum $6,000. If you wanted to do something super freaky like play Scotty Scheffler and Tyrrell Hatton or like Scotty Scheffler and like two of the 9K guys or something like that, you could definitely throw Sung Kang in there as the last guy in and save yourself a little bit of value. All right, so that does it for um, the golfer profiles. So let's take a quick breather and then let's talk about some one and done strategy for the week. All right. So now let's talk some one and done y'all. So first off, not a good week for me in the one and dones last week. I had Rory McIlroy and I had Victor Hovland, both of whom made the cut, but neither of whom really did anything over the weekend and won me a whole lot of money at all. In fact, it really wasn't a great weekend for me last week on DFS as a whole. I'd way too much Rory McIlroy and Patrick Cantlay, not enough Xander Shoffley, not enough Wyndham Clark, and I really just didn't have a whole lot of 6-6 six six lineups because one of my value plays just seemed to miss the cut every time. Or Sam Burns, I had in a few lineups. Jordan Spieth, I had in a few lineups. So um, not a great weekend for me. So we're hoping to bounce back. And in the one and done this week, y'all, Let's be honest, don't take Scotty Scheffler this week. This is not an elevated event. This is not a big purse. You do not want to take Scotty Scheffler this week when even if he wins, he can win the same amount of money um, by winning this week as coming in like fourth place at the PGA or like any other elevated event. So I'm just not really interested in playing Scheffler this week. I do think Tyrrell Hatton is intriguing with his approach play. He does have a very high ceiling in the third place at the Wells Fargo coming in. I don't think this is a bad spot for Teal Hatton. I don't think this is a bad spot for Tom Kim either, or even Jason Day or Adam Scott. I wouldn't mind playing either of those two guys. I think about as far down the board as I would go is Taylor Montgomery. Again, like I said earlier about him on the profiles section, he's just a guy who can drive the ball well and can putt the ball well. So why would I not take a shot at you know that unique skill set? Now, if I'm being honest, though, I think the guy I'm most likely to pick this week is K.H. Lee. Like, I don't think you need to overthink it. I think if you're near the front of your one-and-dones, you just pick the guy who's won here back-to-back years. Like, it doesn't have to be rocket science. And if you were worried about his recent form, well, he came in eighth at the Wells Fargo last week. So, you know, if you're near the top of the board and you're playing from ahead, you know, don't overthink it. Just take the obvious play. I know a lot of people are probably going to play him, but if you're at the top of the board, that doesn't really matter a whole lot. If you are chasing, though, I really do think you probably need to think outside the box a little more. Um but I think that KH Lee is going to be the most popular play. I think that the guy I might end up going with um, in the one and done where I am near the top of the board, I'm probably just going to stick with KH Lee. In the one where I'm a little bit out of the money, I'm probably going to go with maybe a Tom Kim, maybe a Taylor Montgomery. We'll, we'll, we'll see how I feel Wednesday night before I make that play permanently. But I really don't think there's a whole lot of guys in this event that you're going to want to use further down the road. Maybe Tyrrell Hatton. Maybe Hideki, maybe Tom Kim, but like KH Lee is a guy that you can just play in this tournament and forget it. You're not going to want to use KH Lee later on this season. All right, so that does it for the one and done analysis for this week. And that does it for our preview of the 2023 AT&T Byron Nelson. 
If you like what you're hearing on the podcast, please rate and review. It really helps me out a lot. Also, please hit that subscribe button. You'll be notified when new episodes drop. Like tomorrow night, we're going to be on here talking about Live Tulsa, um, another golf tournament going on this week. It is the week before a major, so a lot of these Live guys are going to be um, relevant next week for the PGA Championship. So I am going to be studying up on Live Tulsa, um, playing some DFS for Live Tulsa. So um, definitely nice to kind of get back in the know for those guys before you see them next week on your TV screens back at the PGA. Uh, and then also we got a lot of season-long fantasy football content coming your way. We have the 2023 rookie rankings already up. Check the podcast feed for that one. And then we're going to be coming out with our best ball drafting strategies and our individual team previews later on this month. And then don't forget, next week is a big one. It is the PGA Championship. We will have multiple episodes coming out for that. So make sure you hit that subscribe button so you'll be notified and when you can listen to those episodes for golf's second major. All right, so that does it for this episode. Um, you know, Byron Nelson Classic, or I, it isn't even a classic. I, I learned there is no word on the end of it. It's just the Byron Nelson. The Byron Nelson this week, nice little appetizer for the PGA Championship. Um, definitely will give us some good golf to watch on Saturday and Sunday. With it being a birdie fest type event, I don't anticipate this being something that somebody's just going to run away with. You're going to have to show up on Sunday and make some birdies if you want to win this golf tournament. So it definitely should give us a compelling TV product. All right, so that does it for this episode, guys. So whether you are betting, playing DFS, or playing one and done this week, hopefully I was able to give you guys some good analysis that you are able to pick some winners. Um, best of luck to everybody this week in whatever you may be playing. Thank you guys for listening, and I will see you next time.